Welcome to The Skinny. I'm your host, Shazan. So many things happening all at the same time. Incredible conversations, communities being built, dreams being realized, and movements ignited and reignited. So much to learn and even more to experience. This season on The Skinny, we dig deeper, cutting the fat and getting right down to the nitty gritty on topics that impact our lives. I'm so excited to highlight amazing stories and facilitate impassioned voices and conversations, eager to share, learn, grow, and evolve with you into even more amazing, enlightened, and empowered souls. So come on, honey bunnies, let's do this. It's showtime. Hi, honey bunnies. Welcome to another amazing episode of The Skinny with Shazan. I hope you're doing amazing. And if this is your first time, welcome. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much again for sharing your time. You are truly appreciated. I have such an amazing time preparing each and every episode for you guys to enjoy the show. And I had the opportunity to connect and speak with so many amazing people in previous episodes. And I love that, like beyond words. There's so many incredible people and it always allows me to learn and experience new things on a continuous basis, which I'm so incredibly grateful for. And I had the opportunity of being interviewed for a show a few weeks ago. And during that interview, I was asked a question by the host about my thoughts on the impact of upcycling and the plus size community. And it completely stumped me. Why? Because I had never before actually given thought to that question or perspective. And I immediately realized that this was a conversation that I needed to have on a more in-depth level and also a point of view and experience that needed to be shared. So with me on the show today is Levy, a wonderful and eclectically fashionable lady, licensed therapist who operates her own private practice, an avid thrifter for over 30 years, and the host of Thrift Therapy Podcast. She dives into the psychology of thrifters, which I think is so amazing because there probably is a science to this. So there has to be psychology to this. And I am not even going to wait any longer. Levy, welcome to the skinny. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to continue our conversation. This is something that um, I've been thinking about since since we spoke. And I've been looking forward to this. So let's jump right in. How are you? Pretty good. I've um, been noticing that as the decline of the world around us increases, I have had some ups and downs, but I've been able to really level myself. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, including how you got into thrifting, how long, as I mentioned before, it's like over 30 years, but when did you actually um, start thrifting? Well, at my age, it's it's kind of hard to remember the details of the mm-hmm. past, but I do remember the experience of finding thrift. And I was living in the Houston, Texas area, I was a teenager, and we had moved from a small town to uh, the outskirts of Houston. And so this was like, maybe like heaven, heaven or Mecca or, so, you know, some kind of like, fabulous awakening that I had during that time. Like, oh, this is 
the life I want for myself is is being around all different kinds of people, experiencing a wide variety of things. And uh, during that time, I found thrifting. So it really kind of fit in with maybe what was going on with me as a teenager, which was my identity development. That's mm-hmm. what people are doing during that time with their emotion development is finding out who they are. So the first time I walked into a thrift store was actually a resale boutique. And um, it, it, there was an area of town in Houston. It's it's still there. It's called the Montrose area. And it's very eclectic. And at the time there were, it was, uh, you know, the gay part of town. I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I, it was like home away from home for me, whenever I could, I would go there and, and feel really comfortable. And so I started entering those um, boutique shops, you know, so there's what we call like uh, resale shops now, you know, but they're curated. Right. And so I would, I started buying some things to integrate into my wardrobe. And um, I thought, where do they get these things from? Mm-hmm. And so I talked to a couple of the shop owners and they told me about thrift stores. And so I tracked down a thrift store. This was before cell phones. So um, <laughs> it was quite, a, a, quite an interesting thing to try to find a thrift store. Mm-hmm. And I found one. And when, as soon as I walked in, I just, I vibed hard. Um, I was like, this is, this is where I belong. I want to mm-hmm. shop here. And I have been shopping at Thrift ever since. So I guess that was when I was 16. So um, yeah, like 40 four years. It's really just like a huge candy store, a huge playground of opportunity. It's one of those things that once you get into it, you do, you do get hooked. In addition to being an avid thrifter, of course, you're also a therapist. So what's your area of specialty? I I work in private practice. So Mm -hmm. I deal with what therapists might call your garden variety issues a lot, which are, um, Mm -hmm. you know, mood disorders and partner conflict, family conflict. But I also specialize in serving the LGBTQ plus community. And I do transition work with trans persons. And I work with gifted adults. Is there really a psychology to thrifters, the way they thrift? Absolutely. And I think that's true of any um, shared, maybe like shared activity that humans do is, Mm -hmm. you know, psychology is really just about our minds. It's like, how do we process the information that we're generating and receiving? And so anything that a person does has a psychology to it. Mm -hmm. But when you are, when you want to talk about that psychology, like on a podcast, it's because it's a group kind of experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like more than one person does it. Right. So because there's, you know, more than one thrifter, of course, there's a psychology to it. There are Mm -hmm. patterns. So while I was um, a guest on your show, like I mentioned earlier, Thrift Therapy Podcast, you posed the question to me and about upcycling. And it it literally stumped me in my tracks. Like I, I was just like, wow, not only is this an amazing question, but it's one of those that kind of like makes everything stop. And the question was, what did I think about the issue of plus size thrift clothes being upcycled into clothes for smaller sized people? And in that moment, my heart sank. I knew I needed to hear more about this and find out more and learn more about this perspective of upcycling because it was my first time hearing that. And it's something that immediately felt important to me in this space of thrifting and upcycling. But before we move on, I wanted to be sure that we're all on the same page. All of the listeners are fully understanding what upcycling fashion is. So upcycling is something that 
can be done with anything actually. Um, it's, it's in the fashion area, it's in decor, it's in household items and, um, it's, it's, but we're going to like zero in on fashion for this particular episode. So upcycling clothing is known as like a creative reuse and redesign or repurpose. There's so many words that can be attached to it. Uh, but it's the process of actually transforming what someone may consider, you know, torn, damaged, useless, or just something that's like an unwanted garment. And what you do is you create it in such a way that it becomes something new that's now of higher value and purpose to you as the individual than how it was in its original state. So that's what upcycling really is and what upcycling fashion really is. And it's something that has been around for centuries. This is nothing new at all, especially for people and families in the lower to middle income demographic. My family and I have been upcycling things for as far back as I can remember living in Jamaica and here in the States. Do you upcycle now? And did you upcycle with your family when you were a teen? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I think one of the reasons that I fell in love with the thrift store is because of my family background. Um, My dad was a minister and not only that, he was an evangelist. Mm -hmm. And so we were pretty poor, I think, by uh, most standards because of the lifestyle that my parents lived. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom is an incredible seamstress. And she, what she would do is take us to stores like Neiman Marcus and I don't know, all the, I just remember that one, but mm-hmm. all the stores of the day and do sketches of clothes that she wanted to make for us and then go home and replicate them Wow! because we couldn't actually afford to shop there. But I don't, it, it's an interesting thing when you're a, a preacher's daughter, you know, your family is sort of expected to set some kind of standard for the flock. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's all this pressure to maybe like, look your best, right. your best. So my mom was doing that, you know, so that we could look our best. Um, unfortunately, what she thought was cool and what I thought was cool was really <laughs> different a lot of the time. Uh-huh. So when I found the thrift store, I felt like, oh, now I can finally wear what I want to wear. Right. Look all this cool shit. And, um, <laughs> my mom isn't going to be involved. You know? uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I got to cut her out because I could afford it. Right. right. So it's right. cheap. So, <laughs> yeah, so when I started thrifting, I didn't want anything to do with sewing. I was like, no way. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can curse. Here. Uh, no way. I'm not sewing anything ever again. So at first, no, I didn't upcycle. I, mm-hmm. I would look for things that fit my personality and, you know, Sometimes I'd wear things with holes in them, even if I thought they were cool, but I wasn't going to touch a needle. Right. But now um, my mom had taught me how to sew. So I do upcycle and I like to create things even more unique because thrifting is kind of having a moment. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's raised the bar for creativity on my end. I think I still want to look totally unique. I just realized that we do have so much more in um, in common beyond thrifting because I'm also a preacher's kid, and uh, this this the same thing. Um, my dad was traveling around, and you know, so you know, at that point, the whole family's traveling around, and yep. it's the same thing. And there is that um, mindset or pressure, probably for the mom of the family at that point to make sure that you are an example. That kind of weight is there, but at the same time, you're not earning like this tremendous amount of money 
um, mm-hmm. being a pastor or evangelist. Um, so you do have to figure out creative ways of making this happen. What upcycles do you enjoy doing the most? Well, for sure, it's furniture. I, <clears throat> excuse me, my dad is also a very handy person, as am I. So he taught me a lot of carpentry skills and um, do-it-yourself skills that mm-hmm. I rely on regularly and uh, have expanded on myself. Uh, I've taken woodshop class and I know how to build my own canvases. You know, I've tiled my house, you know, like I do lots of DIY projects. So I love mm-hmm. finding really cool furniture at the thrift. And then, you know, it, especially beat up and cheap. That's my favorite. And then yeah. just re giving it, reinvigorating it, giving it a new life. And, and when I look at it, and here's the psychology part, when, when I look at that piece, every time I look at that piece, I see how far it's come. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, look mm-hmm. at you. You were you were on your last leg, like literally, and I saved you and (laughs) and you are here now and you are lovely and wonderful. You're such a survivor. Uh (laughs) And then you get attached. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And I get these, you know, good feelings all day long because my whole house pretty much is is secondhand. So Uh I'm walking through all these things every day and I have such a strong connection with them because uh, I was able to see through the the wear and tear to the beauty. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's a, a really good look into my personality. Yeah, it's interesting because it used to be and, and sometimes still is looked down on by some people or seen as something mm-hmm. that, you know, poor people do or did. Um but thankfully now, because I mean, we were doing it regardless of what people were thinking or being teased or being, you know, thought of as whatever. But thankfully now it's being embraced and talked about in a more positive way, um, especially because it's, you know, now contributing or they're now more aware of its contribution and positive impact on the environment. So you, like you mentioned before, it's now, it's, it's a thing now. (laughs) It's now being more embraced by the larger community um, and taken on where it's like, you know, upcycling, like you said, furniture and clothes and, and thrifting on a whole. And my New York apartment was completely decked out with furniture that was either found on the sidewalk where I would just like turn that truck around and it's like flip the Yep, that's a chair that will work. We can cover that. The the thing is that even with all of the amazing benefits and the fun and creativity of upcycling and, you know, finding the ways to extend the life of like clothes in particular, there is that downside about one of the ways that upcycling has completely taken off over recent years. And um, I don't think that many people are probably aware of this, but in the large community of thrifters now. Um, There are a lot of people that upcycle their clothes and it's, you know, a term that's called like thrift flipping or Mm. thrift redesign. And um, what it is, it's like taking thrifted clothes that don't necessarily fit or look like something that you would wear as is in its current state. And um, they buy it, the thrifters will buy it and redesign those garments into completely new looks. And so Lavi and I were talking about that on her podcast. And after that, I did go and do 
some research and look into, you know, see if there was like articles available or blogs on it or, you know, vloggers or just I wanted to find out more. And I found some strong Mm -hmm. and some upset feelings and opinions about this method of upcycling in particular within the plus size community. So that's why today we're digging a little bit deeper into that, because I do think that it's a, a perspective that needs to be brought to the forefront. You know, and with those varying opinions and data that's available from retail and modeling in the fashion industry on the size that starts the plus size category. So, Levy, like what size do you consider to be plus size? That's a a great question, actually. It's that is a hard question to answer in today's current um, social context because we're redefining how we see our bodies, which I'm a big fan of. So, Mm -hmm. but I would say typically, just historically speaking, a plus size would be anything above a size 12 uh, Mm -hmm. here in the United States. Um, So it's anything that isn't, I would say a better definition would be that anything that isn't mass produced um, for a small range of sizes. So I would say Mm -hmm. even if it's because I don't know if you have living in New York, you've probably had this experience where you go into like a, a boutique or a courier, a couturier, and the size range, they don't go up to size 12. <laughs> There's like four of one garment mm-hmm. and you may find a size medium-ish size. So they're very, um, I don't even know what the right term it is, but there's a fat phobia, right, is maybe the best term to use. Mm-hmm. And uh, it starts in high fashion and just trickles its way down to the rest of us. Even in the department stores, you'll find that it can be categorized as 14 and up. But then yeah. in the modeling industry, plus size, a plus size model is like a size 8 to a 12 and go. up. You know, and even at some modeling agencies, if you're a size six, you're out. It, you're considered to be a plus size model That's or ridiculous. you're no longer, you know, um, petite enough to model with that particular agency. And especially now that there are more brands beginning to focus on size inclusivity, um, like Old Navy, for example, I don't know if you heard about them. They said that they're going to be redefining size inclusion and offering every size. And Mm -hmm. there will be no price difference and no separate Mm -hmm. department in the stores anymore. So they're going to like reconfigure their entire layout. And you have this happening and they're of course going to be including models. And they did research on models that went up to size 28 and 30. And they did like a long in-depth study on how to, you know, create the patterns and how to fit the different bodies. But then you have in the fashion industry, according to Plus Model Magazine, like size 18 and over is considered plus size, which is like a 1X to a 6X. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many, it's so hard for you to know because there is no one specific cookie cutter response. Like everywhere that you look, it's giving you different information. And while I was reading the International Journal of Fashion Design, Technology and Education, They published a study back in 2016, and the average American woman wears a size 16 to an 18. And in previous years, the reports were that it was considered a size 14. So it's something that definitely leaves an individual like, where do I fit in? So what's your opinion on how thrifters and upcyclers should approach sourcing pieces when upcycling clothes, as opposed to how you see it being done now? 
Well, the first thing I would say is stay out of the plus size section because um, there's such, if you compare, this is like something that I've talked about with male thrifters or, or male mm-hmm. identified thrifters is that, that if you compare the size of, of the uh, store on mm-hmm. who has the most options in shopping, and this is at any store, it's women uh, between that size range that you mentioned, probably up to a size 12 uh, mm-hmm. in most stores now, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case. It could be even smaller, right? So when you go into the men's section or the plus size section, right, you're going into this limited territory where people who need those clothes, um, are experiencing a dearth and then you're making their options even smaller. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but is that a hundred percent? Like you're not allowed in? no, I don't think so. But I think you should be mindful. If you're going to go in, you should be mindful that you're entering scarcity and you should have a scarcity mindset. Like if I take this, am I taking from someone else who needs it? Same with the maternity section, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like there are people in need. And when we're thrifters, we are, when we walk into a thrift store, we're walking into the womb of scarcity, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. those are initially designed to serve people who do not have financial means. Right. And so it's a mindset we already have. (laughs) So we just need to be more mindful about taking these larger sizes and turning them into smaller clothes. Because if you just turn around, just turn your body around and look around, there are racks and racks and racks and racks for you. Mm -hmm. And you're Mm -hmm. allowed to upcycle those things as much as you want. So when I um, shop, and, and let me just say that I am currently plus size. Uh, Mm -hmm. to me and to fashion. Uh, I'm a size 14, Mm -hmm. but I haven't always been. Not until my 40s did I start to put on weight and and go up the size scale for many Mm -hmm. reasons. Medication, um, grad school, you know, all the usual things. Right. (laughs) Just the stuff. And um, it's been actually quite liberating not to worry about my body, Mm -hmm. but it has been confining in terms of style. Mm. So thank you for having this conversation. And I just want people who aren't a plus size to, to think about it as um, a problem for us is that mm-hmm. I am a creative person. I want to dress creatively and I don't always have direct control over what my body looks like. Mm-hmm. So I need options, right? And if someone takes a moo, this is the one that gets me the most because I love vintage moo's. Mm-hmm. I have a collection and then, or a kimono, right? Because there's lots uh-huh. of fabric. And then repurposes it into a short set for a size four person. Mm-hmm. First of all, as a vintage collector, collector, my heart just skips a beat. Like, oh my God, you could have mm-hmm. restored that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of uh, redesigned it into something modern that later is probably not going to be used. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's really, I think it's a conversation in mindfulness, Right. And and that's what I found that um, I felt where we had that brief conversation, but then it stayed with me afterwards. It's still with me till now. <laughs> because while I was um, researching it, I realized that it is just mindfulness. And it's something that if it come if it's brought into your atmosphere or into your thought process, then what do you do with that information? You know what I mean? How you approach um, 
how you move forward or how you approach doing these different upcycles and stuff like that, I would assume would then um, be influenced or changed or impacted if not changed or something would, would happen from that, which I think is what the goal is, is for that awareness and mindfulness. Because I came across a range of outlooks and opinions about it. Um, there was stuff like one person was like, well, it's first come first serve at the thrift store. You know, mm. I'm not going to be thinking about that. Another one, if you're buying larger sizes, buy closer to your own size. Don't be a size six or eight buying a three X or a four X. Mm-hmm. And another person was like, plus size thrifters already have the least amount of options, which is what you're yeah. saying. So leave those pieces for the plus size shoppers. Um, another one was, um, I, that I saw under a video that I watched from a plus size YouTuber that was talking about this. And um, their comment was, I'm a plus size woman. I thrift. I have no problems finding things. Stop whining. You sound privileged. And mm-hmm. so I was like, wow, I had no idea that this was going on. So thank you as well for bringing this to my attention. Or I, I don't know if it was even something that you were thinking, oh, intentionally, I'm going to bring this to her attention. But Based on our conversation, it did, um, it did something for me personally. I, I, I'm just hoping that you know, in in us having this conversation, it's going to enlighten others. And I, I don't know if it what it, it's going to enlighten them to do, but I know for me, it definitely opened my eyes. Where as I was just going in maybe before and just doing la 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 la, now I have this thought mm-hmm. of someone else. In transparency, I've personally bought things um, that are larger than my size. Why? Because I need it for my length. You know, sometimes when I put pants on that are in my size, they're like at the middle of my shin. And um, my arms are like, you know, I button up a button down shirt and you're nowhere close to my wrist. You know, so I've had to do that and then make the adjustments for it to fit the rest of my body. Um, not like multiple and multiple sizes ahead, but this is something that, you know, I have done, um, not for an upcycling purpose necessarily, like going into, yeah, but tailoring, which is different, which is also what I wanted to, yeah, yeah, make clear that there's a difference between having to buy something and, you know, tailoring it to fit your body better. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. Today we're talking about the upcycling, um, world that is i would say more intentionally going in seeking these larger sizes and then transforming them what are some of the tips or suggestions that you would share uh with our listeners about thrift etiquette let's say as it pertains to upcycling I think that's a neat term, thrift etiquette, because I think that's sort of where we're at in the thrifting world. It's like I'm having these same conversations about um, ethical garment, you know, ethical sourcing of um, what used to be called ethnic section in Mm -hmm. the thrift store, but cultural garments, right? Mm -hmm. Being thoughtful about that. Like, are there lots of these? So I think the first one is look at the scope of options. If you're in an area that, ha- like I think about the person you mentioned earlier who said, I don't know what everybody's whining about. I find plenty of clothes. Right. Well, I live in San Antonio, Texas, and I would agree with that. There's actually a very large plus size population here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do find a lot of plus size clothes. So this isn't a problem that necessarily d- directly affects me. 
the same way it does some of my fellow plus size thrifters, right? So like you, when I see cool things, sometimes I'll buy them and I'll resell them because I want to distribute that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, because I'm just on the cusp of that plus size world, you know, like you, I'll think of buying something larger and tailoring it because that's a skill I have and one that I will deploy. Um, But then I think, wait, this is a size 18. This is the size 20. How many of those sizes are available here. So then I'll go through the rack and I'll look and see. And I think if you just do that, if you start there, I think you'd be surprised Mm -hmm. that as the sizes get bigger, the fewer options there are. So it's not just about you. Yeah. Let that sink in. Yeah. It's not just about you. I even talked about it with my husband after we talked. It's something that is just such an eye opener. Because Mm -hmm. it's like a trickle-down effect where you're lacking size inclusivity in the fashion industry anyway. So then you're also going to be lacking donations being given to the thrift stores in comparison to all of the other sizes that are there endlessly. So it's, it's almost like a continuation and a reflection of what's happening outside of the thrift stores and yes. in the unsustainable side of things. And even in the sustainable um, options that are available, the prices are not, you know, accessible for everybody. So right. what ends up happening is that you may have a plus size figure woman that has clothes that she's invested in and she's not going to be quickly donating it. She's actually going to hold on to it and be more intentional about how it's cared for. And so that already is limiting the turnover, which limits how much ends up in the thrift stores. So what ends up happening is that for the women and men that financially, this is where they have to go to be able to acquire their clothes for whatever purpose it may be in their life, work, school, living, um, then they're already heading into an area, like you mentioned before, that um, they're, they're, they're not even like res- represented equally in comparison. Because the thrift stores, they can only put out what they get. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to say more, if that was okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. The other thing I think is a, a good way to look at it is so, so first, you know, I scope the land, get the lay of the land and, and read the room, see, see if there's enough. Um, if there's enough, you know, carry on. Mm-hmm. If there's enough, there's enough, right? Like there's enough for you too. Uh, but then talk about where you got it, how you acquired it. So one of the things that I think is important in this thrift community that we're developing online is that we get to have conversations just like this one mm-hmm. about thrifting. And so if you are an upcycler, right? Um, talk about how you sourced the garment, put that out there more, mm-hmm. like be an ethical sourcer and talk about ethical sourcing and give that more space. And mm-hmm. and that's how we slowly make these changes that are more inclusive. So there's a reason that um, Old Navy is revamping their store and mm-hmm. it's because they'll make more money. Mm-hmm. Let's not be confused yeah. about that. Yeah. But that is happening because of these conversations that people like you and me are having online. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's a great thing you can do as a a more thoughtful consumer of of thrifted items and upcycling is not only think about what you're sourcing and how that might affect the person around you, but then talk about it. Give Mm -hmm. it life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then the last thing Mm -hmm. I would say is 
one thing I would love to see that I'm not seeing very much of is that, look, when I see some of these flips, I love them. Mm-hmm. But why you got to make them all small? Mm-hmm. Why are why can't you also give back to the community that you're taking from? Right. If you can sew that for you, mm-hmm. your skills, you could just bump your skills a little bit to scale it up and sell one to somebody. Huh. You know, give back. Yeah. Give back to the community yeah. that you might be taking from. Anyway, just a thought. Yes, because now that you've said that, it's like, okay, well, you may find a dress that you would not wear in the way that it is. And you're thinking, oh, well, let me upcycle this and make it cute. So why not make it cute in an upcycled way in the same size that it is? Exactly. And I know there can be a fabric loss, but okay, go down one size, right? Mm -hmm. Don't go from like a 20 to a two if you can help that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that thing you said about shopping close to your size, I think that's really great. I love mm-hmm. that tip as well. So mm-hmm. I affirm that. But if you are going to scale up, yeah, be creative for someone plus size like me who may not have the time to upcycle everything. That's my situation. Um, but also some people don't have the skills. Not everybody is creative at the same way. And not everybody has sewing skills, unfortunately. I feel uh-huh. like that's a big loss, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, home ec in class is like null and void. Yeah. I, and that's a loss. I think, we, I think we made a mistake there. I think we should have made it gender inclusive. Yeah, definitely. I remember um, in high school for me, it was a class that was there one year and then the next year it was gone. And I was I looking forward to the year that I would be able to do it. <laughs> and But by the yeah. time I got to that year, it was like, yeah, it's not offered anymore. And I don't recall it ever coming back. And that was that was some time ago. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I, that's, I I hope somebody listening has a podcast about that and would have us on to talk about it. Cause I'd love to talk about that. (laughs) You would not believe the amount of uh, young people I see who have really lost a lot of trade craftsmen skill. Like if, if manufacturing of clothing stopped right now, a lot of people would have no clothes. (laughs) <laughs> like yes, that's where we are. They don't drive. They don't sew. They don't cook. They don't, know how to <laughs> <bed work. laughs> they don't know how to build a wood thing. They don't, you know, no wood pop either. <laughs> so we can talk about that. Anybody out there want to talk about that? I hey, talk about listen, that. we have our own platforms. We can come back and have another conversation about that if we so true, choose. True. Yeah, we, we yeah. can make a table for that and sit at it right by ourselves. We don't even have to wait for somebody else. <laughs> and I'm guilty too. I have a child and I, I've tried to teach them these things, but you know, they are like, no, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? It's, it's like the upcycling process. It's not willy nilly. It, you, no. you have to put like a lot of imagination into it, first of all. And then you have to have great patience, a great amount of patience and um, and then time, because there's time that goes into this and, you know, you got to really love it. I would love to hear from other upcyclers. And maybe this is a question you can answer for me, Shazon, is that mm-hmm. um, when you do take one of these items that we've been talking about and then you turn it into something else, like how many times do you think you wear that? You know, I am someone that I can say I hold on to my things for a very long time. I still okay. have a couple of things that um, were, I have a couple of things that were from my senior year that I still have (laughs) in high school and um, in college and stuff. So I have things that I hold on to like more than 10 years, more than 20 years. So 
I'm that person where I do get um, connected to my things. And then I think about like my grandchildren and them coming to my house to play and stuff and whatever, which I don't have any grandchildren, but that just shows you how far (laughs) I'm thinking and wanting them to have that opportunity to like appreciate things that have a history and have a story. So for me, when I do stuff, because I, in terms of like upcycling or making things, I, I, am intentionally shopping um, for fabrics. I'm intentionally making things because I know I want to hold on to them for a really long time. So I wear my things and I hold on to them for, for a long, 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 long time, probably more than the, um, the average person. (laughs) I like hearing that. That's reassuring. And, and maybe if there's some plus size thrifters listening to this episode, that is reassuring to them too. Mm -hmm. And I I think sort of on social media is where we're learning about all these things because we can see them. We, you know, I don't know that I even knew that this was happening before social media. So, you know, being, hearing that, uh, maybe that's something that could be added to the conversation is like, hey, I may not post pictures of me wearing this all the time, but I do wear this all the time. Yeah. Uh, because, you yeah. know, on social media, you don't you don't see as many repeats of things or maybe mm-hmm. you just don't observe them because everything looks new all the time. Yeah. Uh, so it's very reassuring to hear like, oh, hey, you took that muumuu, you made it into a short set, but you've worn it a lot like that. OK, that's I feel better. Um, but leave the muumuus alone. I don't know if you thought of it this way, but in the thrifting community, um, we talk about overconsumption. Yeah. You know, but that can happen very much so within the thrifting community because it's an expensive and all of that kind of stuff. That can become a conversation as well. Um, because if you're just buying something just for the pictures or, you know, mm. just for that moment and then tossing it aside, you're actually not doing anything different than outside of the thrift store, buying from the mainstream stores and, you know, wearing it one time and putting it away. Yeah, I can definitely make some improvements there. You know, being a, a child, I, I was born in the 70s, but I grew up really being a shopper in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that is definitely a leftover problem I have is mm-hmm. is overconsumption. Um, and I think part of it too is that to to get back to the psychology of it, right, is mm-hmm. that I have scarcity mindset sometimes because yeah. that's how I grew up. You yeah. know, being mobile all the time, my closet was like five things. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just had a tiny closet. So yeah, I mean, I think I'll be working on that. So maybe I'll make a deal with your listeners. You know, if they're working on ethical sourcing of fabrics, I'm going to be working on um, consuming less, even at the thrift store. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It, it, the, it, it's just like the simplest of steps, because I will say that my whole thing, before I became fully aware of that, I love fashion and I love creating looks and all of that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. the consumption situation in my world was intense, <laughs> especially yeah. with the thrifting. So um, I will say that, you know, completely upfront. But I um, will also say that of recent years, um, becoming more aware of like overconsumption that when I, what happens for me is when I go to the thrift store, I'm not just picking it up just because, oh my God, it's so inexpensive or, oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, this fits me because I had the other side of the problem of being very, very slim, very tiny and nothing fitting me or looking good on me because, 
that I had no, no curves. So everything just hung. And so as I started getting older, um, because I grew up with nothing really fitting me, it was just always like, okay, well you Mm. layer up to make it look like it fits or you put (laughs) put on the belts and everything. (laughs) It's like belts that are double wrapped around your waist kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so what ended up happening for me, which I became aware of, um, was that when I started shopping for myself, and started finding things that would fit me. Yeah. I was like floored. I was so happy. It was I was so flattered, which was not even anything being done for me, but I would just try something on. I was like, I felt like, wow, I'm now becoming a part of what's seen as normal because I grew up right. feeling abnormal. And so I would just buy something because it fit, it actually fit me, whether I loved it or not. I was just, I just felt so good about the fact that I fit into something properly. And so that stuck with me for quite some time without me even realizing it, that many of the things that I bought is just because of how good I felt in that moment to know that something fit me without me having to alter it or, you know, I, so that became the purpose behind a lot of the things that I would get, whether I would end up wearing them multiple times or not. And it stuck, it stacked up quickly. And so again, like I was saying of recent years, I became aware of why I was buying things like that. And I had to like, say, it's okay. Like, you know, that's like a childhood thing that was lingering along with me into my adult years that I had to kind of acknowledge and, and try to release. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I hold myself accountable when I'm in the thrift store. Like if I'm going to buy something from the thrift store, the vintage store, anywhere, I have to love it. Like I know I'm going to hold on <laughs> to it. Like I'm doing a happy dance. Um, other than our basics, of course, it's like, you know, we need our foundational basics. We don't really have to feel excited about them. We just need them. So that's how it's working for me. But as far as like the whole consumption thing, I, I mean, I, I could never walk around and say, oh, I'm like a minimalist and I have like a capsule wardrobe. My capsule is like the size of a <laughs> rocket ship. I'm never doing that. <laughs> <laughs> never. But I'm just putting it out there now. I'm never doing that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, if somebody puts me in a nursing yeah. home or something someday, I'll be forced to. But like, yeah, I'm not going back to my capsule wardrobe. Today. But you know what? <laughs> I could totally see myself having stuff like stocked underneath my bed in that place. <laughs> I would have them rolled up like, Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that I am not taking that pledge to come down to five things in my wardrobe. I I'm just not. I'm just going to find other ways to contribute. It's just not my yeah, personality. Yeah, I mean, no. like if you take the store from me, I'm I'm bringing my sewing machine. Out, <laughs> exactly. you know? Yeah. I, look, I, I think it's important to end this conversation with the idea that look, you should be yourself. Yeah. Right. These ideas aren't meant to make you someone else. Yeah. It's just being mindful that it's not just about you. Yeah. You're awesome. You're important. But so are other people. Right. And so that idea of inclusivity is what's really important here. If my closet is the only one that gets to be full, you know, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. that's not cool. So refreshing is probably the way that I am the most mindful as a consumer is, um, you know, of course, being thoughtful before you Mm -hmm. get out your wallet, but also you know, being willing to pass stuff on it. Like if I'm not wearing it, let me pass this on. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, keeping it rotating is probably yeah. how I justify my maximalism. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but as a plus size thrifter, you know, I have that same thing, Shazam, where I'm like, oh my God, it fits. I'm buying it uh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm so excited that it fits, uh-huh. but then I'm like, well, am I willing to stand in line for it? Am I willing to make space for it in my closet? Uh-huh. And am I willing to, you know, do all these other things? I have to have a little talk with myself. Yeah. So yeah. I feel you. Bavi, thank you so much for your transparency and for enlightening me even more today. I'm always eager to learn and share. So, I mean, I, I just so truly appreciate you being here with me today and going into this conversation um, and seeing, you know, the different perspectives on this topic. So before we go any further, please let everyone know where they can find you. Well, um, if you want to see all my cool thrifted stuff, head on over to Instagram and I'm at thrift therapy style, uh, just spelled all the normal ways thrift therapy style. And uh, I have a podcast called Thrift Therapy. And so you can find that on all the platforms. You know, um, let's see, what are they? Apple podcast or iTunes, Mm -hmm. whichever Mm -hmm. they're going by these days, Spotify, um, Google Play, and a lot of podcatchers out there. So maybe go follow the podcast so that you can get notifications of the new episodes. And one of them will be with the host, Shazan. So I look forward to that. Yeah. You know, as we close, I, I, I've thought about the awesomeness and benefits of thrifting in, in many ways. One main of the recent years is, you know, the ability and importance of extending li- the life of our clothes and delaying the inevitable, which is our clothes ending up in the landfills or incinerators. Um it's known there's information out there. 84% of clothing ends up in landfills and incinerators. And these textiles take like 200 plus years to decompose in these landfills. And, you know, some people are like, well, why is this such a concern? Like, why do I need to think about this? Or, you know, what does this have to do with me? Well, the textiles generate greenhouse gas and um, it's like the methane gas. And this leaks toxic chemicals and dyes into the groundwater and our soil. And so, you know, I see upcycling clothes as a very big part of my life and as another amazing way to reimagine our garments so we can enjoy them more and hold on to them even longer. And I honestly, before meeting Levy, never considered how these pieces that I chose when thrifting may impact someone else. And My thoughts have just always been directed at the ultimate goal as a collective, you know, like do our part, no matter how small, to positively help the environment. And um, after today, I can say my eyes have been opened to an even uh, bigger level, you know, um, and another area that I feel is important as well. And will I continue to upcycle? Absolutely. (laughs) That's going to continue happening. Will I consider the pieces I choose for upcycling differently? Yes, absolutely. Because uh, now I'm going to ask myself um, some additional questions about the pieces before I decide. And this is my personal um, pledge to my upcycling life and world. You know, before buying it, I want to make sure that I've just paused and asked myself a couple of things. I appreciate Levy for being a part of the conversation. So guys, this is the wrap up. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, download, review, and share the skin with others. Let us know your thoughts and takeaways and give us your feedback on the moments that stood out to you most today. 
in this episode. You can always find us at our main portal, Shazon.com, and that's S-H-A-Y-Z-O-N.com. And for all the goodies and the latest updates on the show, you can head over to Instagram and follow at Shazon. And again, it's the same. Everything, I try to keep it really simple. S-H-A-Y-Z-O-N. And at that same place, you will find a sneak peek inside the life of the voice behind the mic, which is mine. So (laughs) you've been listening to the Skinny Witch Chazon. Thank you so much for sharing your time and light with me in this space where you are heard, seen, valued, and loved. Never forget you're beautiful and deserve to live a happy and empowered life. Meet you back here for next week's episode. Bye.